Ezra chapter 10 today. Ezra chapter 10. And there's quite a number of verses here about the issue that had been brought to Ezra's attention about the problems that had, that had been going on there in Judah and Benjamin. And it was brought to Ezra's attention. And the first thing and the only thing he could do about it was pray about it. He just went to the Lord. And in that prayer, we find that he preached the gospel. And he shares the gospel with those overhears, those people that overheard his prayer. No, prayer, true prayer, was never intended to be heard by anybody but God. And yet we are, by the privilege of God, we're able to overhear some of those prayers. One of them was Ezra. The Lord Jesus Christ, great high priestly prayer in the 17th chapter of the book of John. We get to stand back and overhear him pray to the Father. And the great issues he brought up there. Well, Ezra brought up great issues. He brought up that we're ruined by the fall. That when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he passed that nature on to us. And our spiritual nature before God is dead in trespasses and sin. And the scriptures share with us that in the book of the Psalms that God looked down to see if there were any that did seek after righteousness and his commentary on everybody that he saw through all ages was, I found none. Our only hope is the blood and righteousness of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the issue in the days of Adam, and that's the issues in our day, and that will be the issues in the last day, is do you have the blood of and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, here in the book of Ezra, we find that this issue is brought up, and the people are, there's an appointment made. Now, it was by invitation only, but they were to come and share with the people the problem that they had, that they had been ruined by the fall. Now, it was indicated in the book of Ezra, those who were ruined by the fall, they had gone and adopted the religions of the people that they married. Now, the Bible doesn't have much to say in it with regard to who you marry, but it does have a great deal to say about adopting the religion of those that we marry. Now, if it's a sound religion, it's the gospel of Christ, then God is greatly blessed when we follow in that. But when we adopt the religion of false doctrine, false gods, false that, then we have a great problem. And that's what happened here. There were those who are saved in the scriptures who were of the of Canaanites and Moabites and there are a multitude of people. There was a woman that Jesus must needs go by and visit at the well and she was half Jew and half Gentile. That's not the issue. God comes to us in Christ Jesus in all nations and countries and peoples and tongues. That's what's recorded in the book of Revelation. So we're thankful for that. But oh, the problem that had developed that they said the religion of God and the religion of these folks is equal and it doesn't matter what I do. Well, that's just so common in our world today. And yet, here in the book of Ezra, we find there in verse 14. Would you read that with me? Verse 14. And it tells us here, Let now our rulers of all the congregations stand and let all of them which have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times 
and with them the elders of every city and the judges thereof until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter be turned from us. So the scriptures share with us that there is an invitation that went out. It is by invitation only, but an appointment has been made and you will come at the appointed time. Now this word that we find in, in this place, appointed, is a verb meaning to fix or to appoint a time. Set a fixed time, a certain and a fixed known time is what this word means. And one translation translated this, come in the time ordained. And another translation, come at the fixed time. And most translations have what we have here, come at the appointed times. Well, when this was given to us, when this translation was given to us, when you were given an appointment, you were to be there at the fixed time, at the appointed time. And that's what we find that God is declaring here in this passage of Scripture. There was an appointed time assigned for all the folks to come and do according to the word of the ready scribe, Ezra, the preacher of righteousness, had given to these people, you come to Jerusalem and take care of this business at the appointed time. Now, this brings us to a wonderful subject found in the word of God about God himself. God is not the author of confusion. We find that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion. So when we follow the plan of God, it is not like our plan so often. It is a ready plan. It is an appointed plan. It is an appointed time. There is a time when God has fixed everything to take place, and it is not out of order. He is a God of order. He is a God of, of, not a God of confusion. And having everything accomplished at exactly the correct moment is a sign of an almighty power. And when we read the scriptures, we find that God has things happen exactly at his time. We heard that this morning. How he would travel across that sea cause a, a, a storm to come along, cause a wind to come along, and cause his disciples to come wake him up at the appointed time, and then have him shut it down at the appointed time, and arrive at the land of the Gadareans at the appointed time, and deal with one man at the appointed time, and leave. The man who brought me the gospel down there in, in Med, the Medford area, he told me many years later, there was about 80 people there, and he said there was only one person there that has ever contacted me that they were ever blessed out of that meeting. He says, Norm, you're the person. Out of the whole host, the Lord apparently appeared for one person. But I'm thankful for that one. God is a God of absolute wisdom. And by that I mean, he never changes his mind, never changing or altering his course. History has never been altered by God. Now it appears that time for our benefit, but God has never changed what he has purposed from before the foundation of the world. It will be carried out because he is almighty God. He has the power to carry out the word that he has declared. 
In this passage of scriptures, it's no strange thing to meet up with this word appointed or the principle of this word appointed many times in the scriptures, Old Testament as well as New Testament. The first thing that came to my mind that there was an appointed time when God, who had never had anything created, you know, I talk about time before creation, <laughs> but we're talking about things we don't know about. We say, well, how long was God before he created the heavens and the earth? And then we are shown by the Holy Spirit that he is eternal being. And I have to use a term that I can deal with. There was never a time when God was not. He is eternal. So there was an eternal God before the appointed time came when Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 took place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was at the appointed time. And that's where time began for us. He did all that he did. Now, he could have instantaneously created everything just like we find it in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, those seven day, six days and the seventh day he rested. He could have done all of that in one day, but it was pleasing to him to do it as he did it. I've had people say, well, those days might have been a million years. Well, then the nights were the same length and everything would have died on this earth. Well, the stars, they're so far away, it took them billions of years for the light to get here. The God that created the star can put the light at the same distance right down here instantaneously. Let's just be fair with the word of God. In seven days, the seventh day, God rested. But did you know what happened on the sixth day? God on purpose and by appointment created Adam and created Eve. By appointment. It was his purpose to create them. Male and female, he created them. The next chapter tells us how he did that. But the declaration of what he did is found in Genesis chapter 1. And he went through there systematically and gives us what he did on every day and on the sixth day. By appointment. You will be here on the sixth day of March. That's an appointment. On the sixth day of creation, he created our father Adam and our mother Eve. And then we know what happened that Adam sinned against God and he sinned with full knowledge of what he was doing and God said, the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. I've been visiting with a young preacher and he's finally coming to the conclusion of how dead is dead in that passage of scripture. How dead is dead? I mentioned many times that only in religion do we discuss how dead is dead. Everywhere else we know it. But in religion, we have to make up rules for our own theology. And we have to say that we're almost dead. And if we can fan that fire just a little bit, and all of that is hogwash. If God doesn't move, we're dead. If he doesn't come, we're dead. And we'll remain in that capacity. There was an appointed time when the God of glory spoke this world into existence. And there was a, a time, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you would. The book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of those books of Solomon. The book of Ecclesiastes, 
we have Solomon writing these words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that is given to us in the Word of God was given by anything else but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And when they were moved, they wrote. And they did not put anything down that they were not given by God. It is not like a regular author. They did not have the privilege of putting their own input into it and thank God for it because we have the results of God's word to us. Here in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I cannot remember at the moment, who put this to music? This passage of scripture. When I was growing up, they sang this song. And I was dumbfounded when I found out it's almost a direct quote right out of the book of Ecclesiastes. It was some folk group. The what? The birds. birds. Okay, the birds brought it up. Well, they're just quoting the word of God. I don't know whether they knew that or not. I know when I had kids in school and we played this song, they didn't know it was out of the Bible. I said, do you know where that comes from? No. Some, Some author of a song. I said, Ecclesiastes, out of the Bible, word for word. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven. And the church just says, hallelujah. It's not on mistake. It's not because God is trying to catch up with what's going on in the world. It's not because Adam sinned that he had to do something. He had it all planned according to purpose, and he had a lamb slain from before the foundation of the world to take care of the problem that was going to develop when Adam sinned. He already had it taken care of. goes on to say, a time to be born. I have a granddaughter that was born way early. But did you know what? It was on the appointed time. I held a little baby in the hospital down there that was about this long. Way early. And she was born at the appointed time. We say it's early. It's on God's time. Alright, a time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted and go on and read the rest and you got the song that the birds sang. Quote directly out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything is by an appointed time. Now, every act of God was done at the appointed time. Adam was created at the appointed time on the sixth day And Adam sinned. Let me say this. At the appointed time. And God came down in the cool of the evening. At the appointed time. And God confronted his creation at the appointed time. And the appointed time was when Adam hid himself in the garden. Because that's what we will do naturally with God. We will try to hide from him. And most of the time we try to hide from him in our own self-imposed righteousness. And God stripped him of that righteousness and gave him a picture of the righteousness of Christ and that was the skins of a lamb. 
In Genesis chapter 5, we read about Noah. At the appointed time, Noah was born. And God looked out and saw corruption, corruption, corruption. And at the appointed time, he says, Noah, build an ark. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that he built an ark even though he didn't know what was going to happen, but he had faith in God. And who gave him that faith? God gave him that faith to have faith in God. And he built an ark to the saving of his house. Eight souls. Out of how many hundreds of thousands that were on the earth at that time. The flood came in an appointed time. You know, there's a man in the Old Testament that much of the New Testament is written about, and his name is Abraham. Abraham is born at the appointed time down in Ur, which is in or close to Babylon. And he was a very religious man. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7, though, because our dear brother Stephen has some words to say about this. Just before the apostle Paul later, he saw that this time made an appointed time for Stephen to meet God. He had him stoned to death. Here in the book of Acts chapter 7 and in verse 2, it says here, Stephen is talking about that Old Testament figure that was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He was a Gentile because there were no Jews at the time. And God came down and listened to this now. Over in the Old Testament, it doesn't use this word, but Stephen is caused to use this word on purpose. It says there, in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring, I'm in the wrong place, chapter 7, verse 2, here we go, and he said, the high, uh, then said the high priest, are these things so? And he said, men and brethren and fathers, hearken, the God of glory. I cannot tell you how I felt when I stumbled onto that passage of scripture the first time. The God of glory. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Sharan. The God of glory on divine purpose. The God of heaven went down and appeared in a form unto this heathen man in Mesopotamia who worshipped so many false gods, the God of glory appeared unto him and said, get out of here. You know what? He didn't say anything to anybody else. I asked this young preacher the other day, I said, why in the world didn't God send missionaries into the a land of Canaan before the army came in. Why didn't he go to those Hivites and Jebusites and all the other ites that were in the land of Canaan before they came across the Jordan River and settled there? Why? Because it wasn't in his purpose. He saved one known Gentile out of all that host, and she was a harlot. 
Rahab the harlot, mentioned in the book of Hebrews, is part of that great family of faith. So, when God of, the, of glory appeared unto Abraham in Ur, it was at the appointed time. Everything that God does is at an appointed time. And when these people were invited on purpose to come down to Jerusalem, out of Benjamin and Judah, to talk about the problem that they're in, they had an appointed time to be there. You know, the children of Israel... Abraham was given some information about them. They were going to go down to a land which was not theirs, which was Egypt, and they're going to be imprisoned, or they're going to be slaves for 400 years. Why? Because God is sovereign. I can't answer all the whys. But I know this, God told Abraham they're going to be down there as slaves for 400 years. When they had been there for 400 years, God came to them with something we know as the Passover because it's time to leave. And when they had taken that lamb and set it aside for the appointed time, and they took that lamb and slew that lamb and roasted that lamb by fire and put the blood of that lamb on the outside of their house, on the lintel and doorposts of that house. And God said, I'll pass through the land, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When God did that, that selfsame night, they left Egypt and the Bible tells us it was exactly the self-same day, 430 years later. Now, what's that 30 years? There arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. For 30 years, Pharaoh knew Joseph. And when he died, there arose another Pharaoh and from put them in prison, put them in slavery, and for 400 years to the very day, they're down there in Egypt in slavery. And at the appointed time, just like God promised Abraham, they left. And they left with substance. Those Egyptians were so glad to see them leave, they gave them all the gold they were going to use in the building of the tabernacle. They gave them all the materials they needed. And get out of here. And then God took care of the army that came after them when Pharaoh changed his mind. At the appointed time, that great army went down into the Red Sea and fell before Almighty God as the great floods covered them up. And in the song that Moses sang, it says they all drowned. Doesn't matter what the movies say. They all drowned drowned. In Jeremiah we read that the children of Israel, not the children of Israel, excuse me, they're already dispersed, but the children of Benjamin and Judah were going to be carried away for 70 years of captivity, Babylonian captivity. And we just read in the book of Ezra chapter 1 that Cyrus at the appointed time, 70 years have elapsed, and God comes to him and stirs him up and says it's time for him to go home. At the appointed time, 
And now, in Ezra chapter 10 and verse 14, after all of the problems that had gone on, we have an appointed time for you to come. When we examine the scriptures, we see on nearly every page mention of help for a sinner, and that is the Savior. Now, what a joy to find out that the Savior was to come at the appointed time. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 4. We have Ezra as a type and a shadow and a picture of someone who speaks on the behalf of someone else. But we have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only speaks on their behalf, but he also does on their behalf. He goes to the cross on the behalf of his people. Here in the book of Galatians, and this was known by the folks then, but Paul is writing to Galatia, and there's a bunch of Jews, and no doubt uh, Gentiles, that he is writing to here, and he wants them to know very clearly in Galatians chapter 4, in verse 4 it says, but when the fullness of time, what's that? the full time came, in God's clock it clicked off. And the fulfillment of what we read in the book of Daniel was fulfilled. The fulfillment of what we read in Genesis about a Savior coming, the seed of the woman, was fulfilled when it was all done and in order and God was accomplishing all things after the counsel of His own will. We find in Genesis, excuse me, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, at the appointed time, what happened? The Savior came. Now he'd been in the business of saving people all through the Old Testament on the promise that he would come in the flesh and lay down his life a ransom for many. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law. I love that word redeem. That means to purchase, to buy back, to claim by a purchase price. And the purchase price, as we heard sung this morning, now there were a number of things in the Old Testament under the law that they could pay money for. Not many. Silver and gold. And that's why we read in the book of 1 Peter there, it's not by silver and gold that we're redeemed, but by the precious blood of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. Here we have it, to redeem them. He didn't make them redeemable, he redeemed them. That's the gospel, is that God actually accomplished something at the cross and didn't leave it up to us to decide which way will we go. In the religion I was in, I was put in the median. Now, I didn't really know what the median was until I drove the freeways. That's that land in between the eastbound and westbound lane of Interstate 84. That's the median. And religion puts us all in the median. And religion teaches us that God's voting for us 
and the devil's voting against us, now it's up to us to make the deciding choice. No, the problem is there is no median. We're dead in trespasses and sin. We already took the vote in Adam and we voted against God and it is by his grace and his mercy and shed blood that he makes a choice on our behalf that we could not make. We can't get our hands up. We're dead in trespasses and sin. We can't sign the card. We can't go forward. We can't do anything that is necessary. But God, in his great grace, does everything that is necessary on our behalf. And the results of that is we get to believe. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of that is we repent. Now, in religion, I was taught to repent of my sins, and I found out after I was saved, I don't have time for that. Repentance never is mentioned as repenting of our sins. Repentance is turning from our old life to God. And then we find out that it was God that turned me, and then I was turned at the appointed time. When it pleased God. The Lord God has ever done his work on time by divine appointment. When it was the appointed time, he was sent to this earth as declared the scriptures throughout the Old Testament. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. The prophets declared someone is coming. Sometimes he's called the branch. Sometimes he's called the lamb. Sometimes he's called the son of David. Sometimes he's called the son of Judah. Sometimes we find all sorts of names given to him throughout the Old Testament, but he's speaking directly about the son of God and his promise to come to this world and take care of the problem that all his lost children are in. And that is they're in a horrible pit and they can't get out. So the Old Testament says, I will lift you out of a horrible pit. I'll take care of the problem. Now, he couldn't do that just because he wanted to. He had to make a payment. Because our sin deserved death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. There was a death penalty upon us. And we couldn't get out of it. And we can say all we want. Well, I'm, I'm going to do better tomorrow. <laughs> What about all the last 40 years, 10 years, 15 years? What about all that time? Well, there's someone that took care of all of the time. His name is Jesus. And he was appointed before the foundation of the world to be the Savior of his people. I love it when Mary and Joseph both were informed the name that he will be called. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How could he do that? By his shed blood, he redeemed, he ransomed all his people. Now at the appointed time after the cross, we find out that God blesses his people, just as we heard read this morning in the book of Galatians. That Paul, he was, a, he was a really mean guy. But we read, when it 
pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. What's he saying there? He knew all about me before I was born. He knew all about my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. He put me at the right place. Did you know he put him in the school of Gamaliel on purpose? He could learn all of that stuff. And you know, interesting, twice in that scripture he says, in the Jews' religion, (laughs) in the Jews' religion, he was top dog in the Jews' religion and knew nothing about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the appointed time, would it please God? And that's what he does with every one of his lost sheep. At the appointed time, when it pleased God, he brings us the glorious, sweet, sounding gospel. The truth of the gospel, the truth of his word. He brings that there is a Savior that actually saves his people. He doesn't make us savable and it's up to us. He saves us. So when he brings us out of spiritual death by regeneration, we are thankful for what he's done and not expecting us to get involved in it because we are revealed to us our own frailties. If we as a saved person do not know how to pray as we ought, How as a lost person can we raise our hand for God? We're in a fix. But God's in the business of fixing fixes. God's in the business in his son of raising us. Turn with me if you would to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians talks about this appointed time. Ephesians talks about this appointed time. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, he's dealing with this very subject on our behalf. He's taking care of the issue before we, we even knew it was an issue. Before we were even born, he's taking care of the issue. Here it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Now I've known a few people that were adopted. And the wonderful thing about that is someone chose them to be their children. And that's what God did. He chose those that would be his children. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11. Would you turn there with me? Verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God You know, everybody that God's ever saved are a manifest uh, display of God's manifest wisdom. I couldn't leave it to them. None would have been saved. I took the initiative. I took the initiative. I did this. The wonderful I wills of God. On purpose. I will take care of them. I will save them. I will deliver them. I will bring them. 
I will call them. I will give them life. The manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There was a man who one day, it says he was short in stature. And he wanted to see the Lord, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And the Lord passed by that way, and he looked up. And for, for one reason, was Jesus on that road that day, at that appointed time, because this is the only man on the whole group that he ever said this to. Today... I must abide at thy house at an appointed time. Today, I must abide at thy house. He didn't say that to anybody else. He didn't say that to any Pharisee. He didn't say that to any religious person. He didn't say that to anybody. He said that to a sinner. Today, I must abide at thy house. Now, he said it with such clarity and such authority and such power that Zacchaeus knew exactly what he uh, had said and he got out of that tree and came to the Lord Jesus. He's such a picture we are we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. During all ages at the appointed time his lost sheep have been in a place where he has caused them to be under the sound of the gospel. He's caused it. By no mistake, he's caused it. At an appointed time, you can read the last 20 verses of the book of Ezra. I'm not going to read it all for next Sunday. I'll read it, but I'm not going to read it next Sunday. But go ahead and read that. We have a list of names there. And they have an appointment. And at this time, you'll be in Jerusalem. At this time, you'll be in Jerusalem. At this time, you'll be in Jerusalem. You know what? Everyone that's on the right-hand side, when Jesus has that great day in his glory, when he sits on the throne of his glory, every one of those could say, I'm here by divine appointment. At the appointed time, the hand, the hound of heaven. I read that in a book one time. One of the old preacher called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. He knows where they all are. And at the appointed time, he makes sure that they all hear the gospel. And then he does his great work of regeneration. We're born again. Now at one time, there were 3,000 souls saved at one time by Almighty God. The Holy Spirit in one day at the appointed time came and gave regeneration, salvation to 3,000. But don't lose heart. At one day, there was an appointed time when one man from Ethiopia, traveling back to Ethiopia from being at a religious conference down in Jerusalem, God appeared unto him, preached to him, and the Holy Spirit gave him regeneration. And the scriptures tell us he went on his way rejoicing. The gladdest day of his life. And you know what? It didn't stop. It wasn't over. He didn't get down to Ethiopia and say, well, now I'm in Ethiopia. It's just a bad place to be. It changed him forever. 
He finds them totally dead in their sins and then spends the rest of their lives after he raises them teaching us of the grace of Jesus Christ. He doesn't teach us law. He doesn't teach us great doctrines. He teaches us of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and what grace it took to save us from our sin. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Cleanseth us. Puts it behind. By the death of himself, he put away sin. By the death of himself. So the church, from the very beginning, were permitted to exercise faith. Because we read, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent offering than his brother did. What did his brother bring? His own works. What did, what did uh, Abel bring? He brought the first thing of the flock that pictured the pure, righteous, holy Son of God. And he alone could take care of the sin issue that had brought such distance between him and Almighty God. The mediator of a better covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the appointed time, now, look, Sonny, we're going to look at the appointed time when it comes back. He has a time. It's an appointed time. He knows the time. And I know the time, too. I don't know the day, but I know the, what's going to happen when it's going to take place. The last sheep will be saved. And then there's no need for going on any further. All right. God bless you. Brother Mike.